It is Sunday, June 14th. You're probably listening on Monday, June 15th. Welcome to the Williams and Bloom Quarantine Podcast. We... That was a drum roll. What, 13? Week 13? I don't know. 14. 14. 15. It's about uh, about the three-month mark. Yeah. I actually... Um, we got out, this was the second weekend of the ro- in a row that the family got out of town, and it, it felt normal. We went down to Clorinda. Now I must say the places we've ventured off to uh, down in Decatur County. Yep, you ever been there? I have, Leon. Yep, and then Page County. I mean, not exactly. Um, let's just say the folks down there aren't exactly too fearful of COVID. I'll put it that way. Well, I mean, because they're so spaced out. Like yeah. it's now they don't want riffraff like us coming down to their. Yeah, yeah. They're like, no, stay out. Don't come down here. Yep. No, there's there is something too. Not to say because I've I followed some of the counties down there, and I know Taylor County has had yeah. a decent number of people that have had the virus. There's an but, outbreak in Taylor County. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're not immune from the thing, but they would be in. A different situation than the, well, than the folks here in Des Moines. Yeah. Well, I, I told my mom and dad a couple months ago, don't come up here. <laughs> like, stay down there. <laughs> like, there's just stay there. Like, you come up here and you, you get gas and you can pick it up. You know what I mean? True. Like, just stay. Anyways, uh, I have the, the origination of this podcast came from COVID-19. And we're going to spend a decent chunk of tonight um, debating a few things that are very Iowa State sports-related uh, with COVID. And I, I have a few fresh thoughts, and I want to bounce them off of Brent, and I know he has some too. Working at the university like he does, he might have some different perspectives, so it'll be good. Um, this week's Cyclone Fanatic super-duper patron. Shout-out goes out to Jason Raskilly. Okay, Raskilly. Jason Raskilly. Great last name. That is a great last name. He was born... Into an Iowa State family, kind of like you. Well, you were split. combo. You were split. Mine, man, I went down to my Uncle Dick's grave, saw it for the first time. Like, there's literally a giant tiger hawk. I respect it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do. But Jason um, has two parents who are an Iowa State grad. He claims he is, quote, firmly entrenched from the start. <laughs> That's... Uh, Jason's got major marbles for using the firmly entrenched line, but now, I love it. Now only Iowa State people can use that. He's up in Northwest Iowa, and he and his wife come back for games a couple times a year. They always go down to the Big 12 tournament. That's become a tradition for them, as it has a lot of people. So this is really cool. Um, he is a plant manager at Smithfield Foods. That means we. Um, just, I'm always promoting Smithfield Foods with our partnership at Iowa pork. I just had some uh, Smithfield pork chops tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah. On the new track. On the new grill. How did that work for you? Oh, it's fantastic. You, you loving it? I, you, you know me. I I am the world's worst cook. You know yeah, the this. The Traeger makes it easy. Oh, but it's it's Everything's like, easy with it the Traeger. It is fantastic. Like, I can't screw that up. And it actually turned out really well. So, so this is awesome. Stuff. Jason and his wife, they got married yesterday. No way. They got married yesterday. And Jason Ruskilly is our featured 
patron tonight on the Williams and Bloom quarantine podcast. So congratulations to Jason and his wife. I didn't get his wife's name in this, but uh, we appreciate Jason's support. And as a reminder, if you're interested, you guys can become premium subscribers. You can check out all the initiatives, including shout outs like this. And we're always pumping you guys full of inside information on the Cyclone Fanatic premium board or the Cyclone Fanatic Patreon page. Uh, you can do either or uh, make your decision and we appreciate it. It's really helping us get through a tough time. Yeah. And, and we are going to come out better on the back end of this because of it. What better way to celebrate your honeymoon than a Cyclone Fanatic shout out? Oh, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. All right. Um, weekend review here. I do. I want to start with COVID because this New, hit, newsy week this week. Yeah, it was. And. You know, it's it's so interesting to watch this this thing develop like on a week by week basis. And I don't know about you, Bloom, but like I felt like two weeks ago, like, oh, we're gonna have a season. Yeah. Like it's really turned in the corner. Yep. Now I'm like watching all these news reports come out every day. Oh, there's five guys that have it at Ole Miss. There's so this one happens with Iowa State on on Friday yep. where some doctor Basically, yeah. uh, the Story County Public Health somebody. Yeah, or other. yeah. He he made a comment that Iowa State is largely responsible, responsible for their outbreak. And so here's my Which, what I feel yeah. like is a common sense response to it. Yeah. Well, duh. <laughs> yeah, that was my first thought too. Um, but two, like, okay, so everything's opening back up. So you've got more people not social distancing. The one thing we know at this point that this virus doesn't like is social distancing. So we're not doing that as much and we're testing like exponentially more. Of course, the numbers are going to go up. Right. Like why we've got to quit, man. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like it's very disingenuous to keep reporting just numbers. Like, can we start doing like percentages or whatever? And then the second point I have to make is I don't know what to do. I like editorially, I yeah. don't know what to do. Yeah. Do I have to put a front page story up every time there's a, a a student athlete or a coach or a member of the athletic department that gets COVID? Two, do I need to be following up on this? And three, should these athletic departments or schools... Just go in there. Yeah. I'm wondering if they need to be more like, you know... Um, like the governor is doing like He's daily... Like week, up. Weekly update. Yeah, I don't think we need daily. But like, to me, like, this is not sustainable. No the way it's going right now. And if we're all going to be freaking out about, Oh, three people got it. What the hell are we going to do in the middle of the season? Yeah. Sorry. Well, it, I just, no, I know that's a lot, but w- and what do you do in the middle of the season? What do you do? And this is where I do think it'll be become political in nature. Yeah. I mean, so let's say I, let's, I let already th- see it. Cause I know like which of my followers a lot by the time, by the way they reply to me, you can generally yeah. tell. Yeah. And I'm already seeing it. Let me throw a hypothetical out. Okay. Iowa State's going down to Fort Worth, Texas. The week of the TCU game, Port comes out. Oh, TCU had two players test positive for COVID. Do you send your team down there to play them? Now they've, you know, they obviously We're gonna have a lot of canceled games. I, you're gonna have a lot of canceled games, or you're just I don't know what you're going to do. So we do have some precedent here of what other leagues have done. I think college sports are a little bit of a different animal. But professional leagues have been isolating test positive players for like a week, some two weeks. I think the NBA's protocol is two weeks. 
But what do you do? I mean, chances are, if there's two, then there could be possibilities for more. However, if you're testing every day, maybe you'll catch them. And I just think it gets into a really hectic situation of our college football team is going to test every single day and then isolate all those who are positive because you're going to have situations like this where there are a couple here, a couple there. Um, and you saw Houston university of Houston's football team got br- brought back for workouts. They had eight symptomatic is what they called it. And they shut down the workouts. I mean, I think <laughs> I, what is the answer here? Because, there's obviously some momentum to play these games, but if these these numbers keep happening and increase from the national trends, it's not like this thing is going away. It has flattened. It has plateaued, but it's not going to go away. I don't see it going away permanently um, in September. And so what do you do? I mean, I just think there has to be a consensus that this is what we do. We isolate these players, these student athletes for whatever, 10 days, um, and go from there. And then you just kind of have to go with it because if you have these news stories, every time there is a case or two, you're never going to play a season. And doesn't it become counterproductive too for the public? Like I almost like, because COVID is serious. I'm not trying to downplay it, but yeah, it is. The human brain can only take so much news. I mean, it's a little bit like, yeah, we get a little political here. It's a little bit like the Trump presidency. Like, there's been so much chaos that stuff that would be a big deal 10 years ago isn't now because our brains can't consume all of the news. Like, it's constant. So, if there are 15 reports of these college football teams having covid yeah. cases every day the public kind of just eh, eh. or will they freak out more to the point where we can't have a season i don't know it's somewhere it's it's, it's one of the two <laughs> options but the other part I, of yeah is there anywhere in between well and That's, even and even from a larger university perspective you can't report every single time there's a student that gets COVID on campus. It's impossible because it's going to happen, and it's going to happen probably quite often this fall with Iowa State, even with all the, the measures in place. And so what do you do? I mean, there is the – because there's companies fighting this battle right now, Chris, Those specifically the uh, – you know, some of the plants and the uh, meat processing facilities in Iowa. Yeah. It's a question of who should tell the public. Is it up to the, the corporation – to let everybody know, well, we have this outbreak at this plant, or do you allow, is it, is it the, the county? Is it the, the state to release that info? Like it's a big gray area. And if you're the Iowa State Elect Department, do you need to proactively say every time you get a positive case, oh, by the way, we've got another one. Uh, hey, we're over here. we got another one. Is it athletics? Like, I don't know if that helps. Does it have to be an athletic department or it, should it be a university? Well, I, it, it's a fair point. And if it is a university, should they be doing that every time they get a, because there's 30, probably enrollment this year is going to be around 32,000. I mean, there's 32,000 students. The odds are you're going to have a lot of positives to, so, uh, every day. And I, and I would think to, I almost think the university needs to, like, mom's a cancer survivor. She probably well, shouldn't be coming to visit her sophomore daughter who's an engineering major. I, yeah, I know. Right? And I like, think, there, it, and there's a public health component here too, rather than just. Um, you know, a news perspective. So it's a weird 
gray area that all these schools have to figure out. And I, don't, I honestly, I think this is the most complicating, complicated part of this. Uh, you're going to have positives. How do you handle it? And if you start postponing all these games, then you may not have a season. Because I think there's going to be little, I don't know if there'll be major outbreaks, but there's going to be little blips here and there. And you're going to have to figure out a way to handle it because you cannot put these players in a bubble. The NBA has created this bubble, which I think will work, and it'll work pretty well in Orlando. Yeah. Right? And the PGA Tour had a great weekend, watched a lot of golf this weekend, but they can pretty much bubble their their players because there's a limited number. But the college student-athletes are with these other students. There's no way you can just isolate them. It's impossible. So... If there are these blips that happen, how do you handle it? And I think this is really complicated. I think you just, Chris, you either have to just, I'm at the point now where you're either going to have to just say, you know what, we're going to punt until there's a capable vaccine, which I don't necessarily think is the right plan, or you're just going to have to go with it and then isolate as best as you can when, when positive cases happen. And if that's the case... Then you run into a whole other question with injury reports and what is HIPAA like? If um, that's a fascinating star, aspect, if of star this. quarterback has the virus, yeah, you well, don't, you can't. I mean, there's well, HIPAA, like you can't release that. But then again, there are entities that need to know this information for the good well, of. And then you're gonna have media like, is he suspended or yep. does 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 he have COVID? Yep. Does he have an ankle injury? Oh, and you know that coaches are horrible about transparency correct. anyways. Correct. And is it fair to the kid to say, hey, well, my middle linebacker has COVID? No. Or, like, I think you run – I think it's interesting to think about the rogue doctor scenario. Mm-hmm. Like, well, oh, you get a positive he's test, got but COVID, but he doesn't – he's not that symptomatic – yeah. Let him play. Well, and I mean, and like football is like we're we're watch we have the NASCAR race on here in my office as we as we record tonight. Um, those guys aren't going to give each other COVID. Now, even if one of them had it, I'm sure that NASCAR is testing and doing all that stuff. But yes. like, you know, the 12 car is racing the nine car right there. He's not going to transmit COVID to him. If the defensive tackle has COVID. Correct. And he's going face-to-face and spitting all over the right guard every play. He's probably going to give him COVID. It's a really bad sport for that. <laughs> Maybe, like, could you could you draw up a worst-case scenario? I mean, like, ba- you we have sweating seen all it, over each well, other? Well, we have seen it in basketball before they shut down. Yeah. That post-defenders got COVID from, like, the uh, it was the Detroit Pistons, Christian Wood, got COVID from guarding Rudy Gobert or vice versa. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know, Chris. What is the answer? I mean, the other part of it is, just to be completely big picture, is the risk, we think, from all the studies, and again, it's still pretty early in this, anybody under really age 50 is not at a great risk of at least um, getting of dying from this. But we, what we don't know is some of the long-lasting ramifications. And this this has creeped into the baseball negotiations, too. These players say, well, we know we probably won't die from this because we're all in good shape and we're younger. However, we don't know the long-lasting impacts on, let's say, your 
lungs or some of your respiratory stuff. So, which it is, there is a, a few studies yeah. about like what it like this, like the clot, like the cells in your lungs. Or I was reading some stuff. Yeah, about there's it stuff out sooner. there, but again, this is a new. It's a novel virus, and so we really don't know. And so it's just there's enough unknowns that make it scary when we know more about the flu, right? Like the flu has been around for X amount of years. And when somebody gets the flu, they, they're they're They miss a game or they, you know, they just, nobody's concerned about it, but this we're more concerned about. And you have public reports about it in, in the media. So this'll be, it's not going away by September. And so everyone's going to have to adjust of how to handle it. I don't know, man. Like, I feel like this is like the, this COVID story is like the stock market, like where it, it just goes up and down, up and down. It does. Today, like, yeah, I, I, feel I, like agree. I feel like we're in a bear market right now mm-hmm. on the COVID deal and maybe literally on the stock market too, based off the end of the week. But like, I, I felt like we were really bullish the last couple of weeks and I, I think it flipped this week. So what you're going to have as these players come back, you'll have these reports of, oh, X amount of yeah. this team had player positives. Now, that should dwindle when it's just them back on campus. But when all the students come, come I mean, it's really... Like, are the bars, like, what are the, like, what's Campus Town going to be like? I mean... On a Friday night. Right. And, and so, just for Social those, distancing at SIPs. <laughs> no grinding allowed. <laughs> Get your hand off of her, young man. She might have COVID. Like, what are they going to do? Two for specials, but keep your six feet. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, can, you, I, can you imagine geez. being really, like, strict up there at Patty's? No. Being like, hey, half capacity. No. Come on. And so the, the I mean, do, these do, kids do are these, be I know, but do, all over but the do athletic departments say, okay, football players, you can't go anywhere near other students? I don't know. I mean, maybe that's that's an, an answer Student here. I don't athletes. think that um, prevents it. Now, I will say, Iowa State announced this week was was news. They are going to start a week early. Yes. In the fall semester, and within that, there are measures being put in place to try and mitigate this thing as best as why, possible. Why didn't? Why wasn't Iowa a I, part of that announcement? I don't know. Northern Iowa was. I figured that would be a region thing that yeah. would have to be all the public institutions. I I know that I was spring semester is usually a week off. I don't know if that had something to do with it. Um, but Iowa State's concerned. Like all, there's a lot of higher ed institutions doing this where they're going a week early or two weeks early. And then when Thanksgiving break happens, they're done. So they don't bring it back for basically the last week or two. But the other thing Iowa State announced is some measures in place on campus. They didn't use the word require but it was, I don't know exactly the terminology, but it was strongly advised that everybody on campus wear masks in the fall, yep. even in class. They won't, but they should. I, but, but again, if you're in class and you don't have one, I don't think you can say, hey, if you don't wear that, you're, you know, you'll fail the class. But I do think yeah. there's some peer pressure there to, I hope to so. wear it. So I hope so. It just makes so sense. I think you're trying to control the thing as much as possible. And quite honestly, there are students whose student leadership that I've been involved a little bit with, they say we'd rather do that, which is not ideal. Nobody wants to wear masks in class. I mean, that would be kind of a miserable thing, but it's better that than taking these online classes, which really ruin the experience of an on-campus education. Uh, real quick, before we get to the bourbon of the night and to some other topics, I just wanted to drop a quick line on the Iowa football program. 
and I'll be going into more detail Monday. You had on, a fun week on your on KXNO Fanatics afternoon program. Well, I didn't do the show. I took Friday off, uh, and that was right after Kirk Ferentz's press conference. Let me just say this: um, I think that anybody who's you know full of hellfire and brimstone with this is we don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to take the student athlete's word for it. Yeah. Um, and none of these guys are calling for Kirk Ferentz to be fired. So I feel like it's a little extreme for me to come out and say it. I will say this. I think it's very um, disingenuous of Kirk Ferentz at this point to basically, after the Rabdo deal, uh, he gives Chris Doyle this fake award, basically rubs it in everybody's face is how he did that. Um, makes him the highest paid strength coach in the country. And I think by results, he probably earned that. But, like, you can't just completely distance yourself from this guy. No. Like, I just – I've been around enough coaches at this level. I've never seen a coach – and maybe Kirk Ferentz is different. I don't know. But I have never seen a coach at this level who has no clue what's going on in the weight room and all this stuff. And and if that's the case, then I would challenge Kirk Ferentz and say, why are none of your players comfortable enough to talk to you about this? I just – He's not catching enough on this, I don't think. 100%. I don't think he should be fired again. There's 50 guys who have come out. Not one of them have said we think Kirk, Coach Ferentz should go. So who the hell am I to say he should? Correct. But I watched that press conference on Friday, and I just – I wish that I hadn't taken the day off because I wanted to go on the air so badly. But, man, like the way the Rabdo thing was handled, and I just can't get it out of my mind like how – closely tied Doyle and Ferentz are, and now, ah, I didn't know how he acted in the weight room. I mean, I just, it, I think it's very disingenuous. Reminds me a little bit of the Kansas basketball deal with the recruiting team. Yeah, we didn't know Adidas was uh, talking what? to these guys. Are you what? I mean, huh? and listen, Adidas, who's this guy? I've never, <laughs> we don't even, I mean, yeah, we wear Adidas uniforms and they pay us tens of millions of dollars, but we did. We don't have a relationship with yeah, these guys. I, hey, if... And right now, just from afar, it appears the strategy has worked very well for their athletics communications inference, where it's basically we're shifting the blame to one person that, that at this point is expendable, in my opinion, that's Doyle, right? Like, it's like, it's, I, it's him. I don't I don't think that guy's going to make it, going to survive this. I mean, I think Brian Ferentz might have a tough time, too. I don't know, though, but they've really... I give Kirk some credit, or whoever some credit. They've really done a good job, and whether it's because the media is afraid, to, especially locally, to really go after him, they've really kind of kept him insulated of this. Of, and what what? Okay, candidly, kind of bugged me this week is all these tweets start happening Monday. Oh, the Iowa team is going to be so close. Oh, and it's it's, <laughs> yeah. and I saw it from. It wasn't just one person. It was uh, multiple it was members of the media. It's like this team. Will be the most unified team in the Big Ten this year, and it's like you don't this coming that. off forty eight hours ago, where there were literally complaints from people on the roster that this team was disunified because of race. It's like how can you go to that hot take right now because of a couple tweets that they finally are allowed to tweet, and it's just like sometimes in the media, and I'm sure we're all victim to it, you and me included. You want to find the the good thing from it right away, like yeah. the redeeming story of it. And sometimes there's not a redeeming story. And so you don't have to create one 48 hours after this really transformational story happened. Sometimes let it, let it go a little bit. And it's just like, we're so quick to, to maintain. And you even saw 
on the Hawkeye website that was like I was going to set the um, set the precedent for college sports now because they're going to deal with this first. And it's like well, not everybody has to deal with this. Yeah. So I I don't know if you can take credit for that, but it well, again it's it's PR and and you, you you spin the thing as much as you can and. We'll see what actually happens from it, but I thought they've done a good job well, of at least distancing we, Ferentz from this ordeal. We need to know who is conducting this independent review. Well, and then where is like where is the athletic director and the president? <laughs> Nowhere. Uh, Barta is supposed to be talking to the media this week, so we'll see. Like I, that part has kind of been unfair to the players and Ferentz too. It's like, oh, that's, that's, that's you guys. You guys figure it out. That's unless it's by design. Oh, and I'm sure and I it mean, is. But if you remember, actually, like, is a guy I like Gary Barta, but like, is honest question. Trying to be respectful here, is it your best? Do you remember the Gary Dolphin press conference right yeah, before, or the, the or the Rabdo thing where yeah, he like, disappeared for a while? Is it the best PR to have Gary Barta talking? Probably not. No, Honestly. I agree with that. Yeah, no, it's not because he would he would he would make things worse. He would. Um. So yeah, I, I mean, maybe give him credit for like. Just, just hey Gary, away. just <laughs> we're just, gonna have this stuff written up for you. It's also humorous that that's the best way to go. And same with the president. Like this is a more than likely an institutional issue. And my problem is, Iowa and, and football, again, I'm yeah. I'm seeing this in in cardinal and gold colored glasses for sure. Like I get my my perspective to the table here. Is they were really quick during Bandgate to throw stones at Iowa State's procedures and infrastructure and follow-through from the president and the AD. But when it happens to them and it's aimed at them, somehow they need to do an investigation first to come to with any facts. And that's that's what bugs me a lot about this is, is the, I don't want to call it hypocritical, but it's just two different ways to view a story if it benefits you. That's well said. Um, again, we're, we're not going to take too much time, but we'll talk more about that coming up on KXNO at 4 o'clock on Monday. Also have a former Iowa State staffer. He's now the head coach at Roosevelt, uh, Mitch Moore. Uh, yeah. I, I thought good a good guy to talk a lot about this race stuff. Yeah. He works with a lot of young African-Americans and has played ball at a high level. So uh, he's going to join us as well at 4 o'clock on I like Monday. Mitch a lot. All right. Um Let's take a quick break. Welcome back. Williams and Bloom pod here on your uh, Sunday, June 14th, June 15th. If you're listening on Monday, the drink of choice tonight, we like to tell you guys what we're sipping on. So I was down in Clorinda. I went through the legendary dings honk and holler <laughs> uh, drive through liquor store down on 16th street. And um, oftentimes I like to, if there's a, I don't want to give away my tricks of the trade. No, I don't think it's going down to no. But dings. when I'm in like these small towns, because I love small towns, I love like just investigating them and like stopping in and having yeah, a beer. Seeing the locals, love it. Just talking with people. If you go to these small town liquor stores, you can oftentimes mm. find gyms that like just you know, like one time down at Dings Honk and Holler, I found a bottle of Blantons for fifty dollars. Yo, and it was just like for real. Because down there, like, people are very simple. Like, there, I mean, there's there's people down there who would enjoy some Blantons. Yep. But not, like, I mean, if that was the case at Hy-Vee yeah, and Ankeny, Ankeny like, it yeah, never hit the shelf because the right. guy who's the manager would buy it up. 
Right. Um, so anyways, I went in there and did that. I stocked up on some of that Templeton maple cause it's not being made anymore. Very nice. Um, but then I had never seen this and I ran it by a whiskey buddy of mine either. And he hadn't either. I'm sure that you could find this at like Hy-Vee, but it's always slipped past me, but I bought it and I'm really enjoying it. It's a Jim beam, double oaked twice barreled. It's really good. It Very is good. smooth. Yeah. I like the, one of my favorite whiskeys ever is the double oaked uh, Woodford Reserve? Yep, I love it. I, I mean, it's just it's phenomenal. For this the, this is really really easy for the price point too. Twenty seven ninety five yeah. at Ding's Honk and Holler. In right. I mean, this is pretty good. Yeah. So, anyways, that's what we're sipping on tonight. Yeah, I give it an eight and a half out of ten. The McGuire Sosa thirty for thirty bloom. I know you're fired up about this one. Yeah. The uh, that, going on that, right now, that's as going on record. right now. Uh, you put out a tweet earlier today, though. You know, it is funny, Brent, about how certain things in life will just take you back. Yeah. Yep. Like there's certain like games that you can remember. Oh yeah. You can remember what you had for breakfast that morning. I would imagine a young Brent Bloom in 1998 was just locked into Cardinals, Cardinals yeah. baseball every season. Oh, it was so. I just put on Twitter that this was the height of my baseball love and really sports. I mean, there's something about, you know, early teenage, just starting high school where you are so invested in sports and, you know, the the McGuire Sosa thing just was, was it for me. And I was a, I was a Cardinals fan and the Cardinals acquired McGuire at 97. And, you know, he was must watch must. And, Chris, honestly, this is part of my uh, reason I pursued broadcasting was that summer too. So not only so my my idol growing up is Pete Taylor, because like we've talked about before on Cyclone Fanatic, Iowa State games weren't on TV very often, specifically football. And so to listen, you had to listen to the radio. Well, even '98, I the Cardinals had some games. I don't know if I had the right package or whatnot, but I listened to a lot of your boy Mike Shannon um, and uh, Jack Buck call him a called Cardinals games. And so I, I followed that summer vividly. And then Sosa kind of came out of nowhere at the time. And it was back and forth. And I was just thinking about this today. I was te- texting with my, my dad and brothers. We went to Minnesota. Interleague play was fairly new. I think it was in year three or four at that time in 1998. We went to the Metrodome and saw, I looked it up today. It's kind of fun to look at baseball reference. We saw McGuire's 36th home run that year. Nice. In Minneapolis. Um, That's cool. But it was just fun to think. And, and I just, before I came over here, I looked up, you can YouTube it. It's kind of hilarious. You can see all of the compilation of McGuire's 70 home runs that year. Yeah. And what a, They're I mean. Just I, and he was just. <laughs> you just tell the second was, they hit the bat. He was so hopped up on something. Right, yeah. like that, he was not a normal-looking human being, but we didn't care at the time. No, and there was something to that where you just <laughs> didn't care. It was like the age of innocence, where you knew probably something weird was happening here. I mean, here's this gigantic. He's probably 265 pounds, and he's just hitting bomb dinger after dinger, and yeah, you didn't well, care because it was great. The best, like not even Sosa McGuire, but like the guys like Brady Anderson hitting 50. <laughs> right. Luis Gonzalez cracked like 60 that one year. Um. You know, the funny thing about McGuire that I remember, I remember the sp- specifically watching baseball tonight when he got traded there. Yeah. I remember that. From like, the A's. That's a, for, 
Yeah, but same. You, that that, that I remember that too. I, I remember exactly where I was sitting in my parents' house. I'm like, what? They just traded McGuire. So baseball tonight, and then all the sports yeah. centers, right? Yeah. Or like you would just you would tune in. Did McGuire hit one tonight? Yeah. Oh yeah. Or did Sosa hit one tonight? It was a nightly thing, and then we had you know Bonds come up on it. Yep. A few what years was it, later. Five years later. Yeah. But man, what a um, and then that home run derby. Between those two guys, which was just—I mean, it literally—it was like watching two robots out there. And you looking back, I mean, there's there were so many telltale signs that something wasn't quite right here. But <laughs> <laughs> at the time, you didn't care. And, and and now, I mean, fast forward 22 years, 98 really rescued baseball from the yeah. strike shortened season, which brings us to today. And and you're in, you're in a bad spot for baseball. Yeah, you know, 98. We, we joked about it, right? I, I wanted to write a paper in college about the steroid thing where someone like me would take steroids and see what would actually happen. Um, clearly, something wasn't right there, but they almost, in a weird way, baseball needed that to kind of get back into the public no, eye. Right. Uh, and obviously, it, it soured in the end, but I think long term, it actually could have been... Yeah, so that's a deeper conversation. But now, baseball's in a tough spot where... They had a potential great opportunity to capture some of the stuff they've lost in recent years, and they've completely they've, they've blown it all. I mean, this has been a miserable totally agree. two months for baseball, and I, I don't, and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think it matters which side you're on either. No. Like, it's just an abomination for the entire sport. It's sad. It really is sad. And watching that today, I'm like, man. People can deal with, like, oh, with COVID. Like, people can deal with that because it's, I mean, it's impacted all of our lives, so we can relate to it as humans. It's hard to tell an economy with twenty percent unemployment. Yes, that's going to keep getting worse. I mean, we're headed into it. We're in a recession. We're not headed into it. We're we're in a recession. Uh, some people still think we could get into a depression. I don't. I think that the feds will keep throwing money into the whatever. Uh, that's a whole other deal. But it's 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 very difficult to reason with a fan base that is in peril like normal folks are in this country when you start talking about labor and you start using the pandemic to millionaires versus billionaires it's yep. very difficult for people like in our chairs we're middle class guys think about the lower class guy i had a guy um god bless him he was great uh grubhub driver okay. uh, a couple weeks ago who i had a braves hat on and he he had his Philly shirt on, yeah. And he, um, he badmouthed my hat, <laughs> but then yeah. he told me, like it, it was very touching. He's like, "I'm out here driving Grubhub because I got laid off, and I'm trying to put food on the table for my family." And these sons of bitches, like he was mad. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "I don't even know if I'll root for the Phillies when they come back." And I, that's the problem. Again, the COVID thing, like even the NBA deal. Um, if for some reason that thing would blow up, and it, it's, if it's it, because of COVID, people will figure it out, and I think they'll be okay with it. But if you start doing the financial thing with it, and where you're trying to capitalize on this thing, man, that's tough to stomach. Agreed, agreed. And there, and my problem is, is I think we have an issue just culturally where there's a, there's always this weird feeling out there, and maybe justified, maybe not, that someone's trying to f you over. Right. And I think this is where baseball and the players kind of got into it. Where like they assumed, and again, maybe correctly, 
The other side was really trying to jerk them around. And so what you end up is you have these two months of negotiations where you don't go anywhere. And yet you're missing, what's the phrase? You're missing the forest because you're looking at a tree or through the trees. And not only is this going to hurt them for this year, which clearly, but now you're missing an opportunity for 21, 22, 23, when you really could have built up some, some love from people who missed it. Like I think, and I'm one of the, good example here i've watched more nascar in the last four weeks than i have in the last 15 years and i'm like you know what i don't mind this and i watched i chris i watched 20 hours of golf this weekend <laughs> i mean but like i don't have anything else to do and i'm like i enjoyed it but if they're going to miss out on all this stuff then they're going to be end up burnt in the long run and when you get to a negotiation in 2021 when the contract is up between the players and baseball you're going to be short-sighted because there's not going to be the TV money there to renegotiate. And I just think it's, there's it's so much. they're arguing over pennies yeah. when 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 tens of dollars are on the line. And I don't get it. I mean, I I understand. You don't want to be screwed over. Like, nobody nobody wants that. But here's the one that it's maybe... It's just messed up. Maybe you can give me some extra perspective on. I think it's one of the most fascinating negotiations I've seen in my life. And it's Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. The because with, with with the NFL we don't really know what's going to happen to their salary cap. Yeah. Because of COVID, it's different than baseball. Yeah. Um, we don't know what's going to happen to the salary cap because of COVID. So Dak's wanting like forty million. Like forty million is a lot. Dak's, I mean, depending on who you talk to, in my opinion, not worth forty million. I'd be at camp. <laughs> but what, let's say you pay him forty million now. And then the cap drops because of COVID and they're yeah. making less because of, you know. Lack of fans, but yeah. yeah. I mean, that could be like paying Dak Prescott like $60 million What's in a wait? couple I, years. Yeah, I like, don't. It, I don't blame the Cowboys. Like it's, But it's fascinating, though, that like we're in this spot where you're having to think about stuff like that, right? Have you ever Completely. seen anything? Like, am I missing I, something no, there? I, don't. I was trying to explain this to my dad last night because he's a big Cowboys yeah. fan. And he didn't really know where he landed. Well, nobody really wants to commit because they don't know what the future looks like. Yeah, but like if you're Dak, I see you, why you're like, well, I got to make my money now because if this cap drops, like they're yeah. never going to sign me for Correct. what I no, want. I, if I was Dak, I would sign. Get the 35 yeah, and take it. Just go. Yeah. Because you're. what's going to happen? Although I don't know. We've talked about on this podcast. Where do meteorites go from here? You know, maybe if. It, and you follow the markets. Amazon has not been affected by this at all. Um, Apple's done okay. Google's done okay. If they start getting into the meteorites biz, maybe these contracts won't get any smaller, and then you you can have these contracts that keep uh, going up exponentially. But specifically baseball, it, I, I think you just got to come up with something here and what's going to happen is they're going to play this 50 some game schedule mandated by the commissioner and this is going to be a hanging cloud over there all of 2021 too and uh it's just a mess it's and they had it they had a golden opportunity they're outdoors it's the game of summer with all these people wanting some form of entertainment and they they literally they're squibbling and squabbling over pennies on the dollar and it's embarrassing it's embarrassing, and it's just, again, it's so hard for and, common and now, people to right. relate to. And, and th- the problem is, like, I think both sides, like, if I put myself in their side, I could totally see where they're going from. Yes. But they're they're cannibalizing their sport by the day. They don't want to be screwed over, but they are. <laughs> but in the long run, it's going to hurt them. Now, 
It'll hurt the players more, I think. I mean, yeah, the, owners, the owners are the owners, and yeah, that's what the players see. Though is they yeah. see these rich guys. Well, they can it. they can weather yeah. this. We can't. But it's like, well, I get it. but the players I, like there has to be some animosity within the players' union because it's like, well, what about the guy who is like the guy who's right between like the big leagues and Triple A, and he's constantly moving back and forth? Like, oh yeah, it's easy for Bryce Harper and Max Scherzer to run their mouth. Correct. Like they're fine, you know. Yeah. But like, what about what about me? Well, and the other issue is this is going to have a major impact for, for you know, as far as we know, for minor league baseball too. Yeah, I mean, I most mean, of these most of these minor league teams, I wouldn't say most, but there's I'll a say portion this. that won't won't come back. I will. I'll continue to support the Iowa Cubs because I know a lot of those guys, and I'll. It'll be hard to get to get me into a big league ballpark here in the next few years. I, I just I'm. I got too much of my old man in me. He said after 94, he'd never go back to a game. Now, it took the Royals, his longtime favorite team, to be in championship contention. Sure. And he, yeah, and I remember that. Finally now. sucked yeah. him back he in. Had the, him, he had the blue shirts yeah, on. Yeah. Him and mom went to a lot of games then. Uh, and, it, and they have been since. They they became royal. They watched every game. But they, well, that was 20 years later, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. So... And we used to is that when I was a kid, we go to games all the time, even when the Royals were terrible. But we go to watch George Brett and Bo Jackson, and you know, like I remember specifically one game, they took me there because we wanted to watch the Mariners, and I watched Ken Griffey, Edgar Martinez, and yeah. Jay Buhner go back to back to back. There you go. Like I mean, you have those great memories, yeah. right? But I, I mean, I'm not like, I'd rather take my daughters to a NASCAR race than. Go down. I and I love going to Kansas City. Like that's really the only ballpark that I have. It's a great ballpark. I, I'm a Braves fan, but yeah. like to get on a plane and go to Atlanta to go right, to an right. MLB game. I I've been to St. Louis, which I like. It's just such a trek down there. I need to go up to Target. Fields. You would love it. Yeah, it's that that Target is. Yeah. Okay. It's that's great. the one I, I kind of like. It's to really check good. Out the list. Um, you would enjoy that. But you're right. I mean, they just. They're just missing, I think, the big picture. And I'm sure other people have pointed this out to them, but they're driving themselves off a cliff. And now you're going to run up against NBA, probably, although they have their own issues the last couple of days. Um, NHL for sure. And then, you know, MLS got their stuff together quickly. I think so, we're going to, we're in for a, um, I told my wife today, you know, we're part of this COVID pod, the, the origination of it again talking about just how it's been difficult on normal families while we still don't have daycare. Yeah. And I told Ashley, I said, listen, um, I'm going to continue to do everything I can. I've been the primary caregiver for our, cause she's been she's, wild busy. Yeah. I've been trying to do it all. I was like, when August hits, yeah, you're going to have NBA, <laughs> NHL playoffs, hopefully MLB, um, mm-hmm. NASCAR, you're going to have college football ramping up. PGA NFL Tour pre-season. majors. PGA Tour majors. Kentucky All the Derby coming racing, up. Yep. Like, I'm not going to be able to watch these kids. <laughs> as much, and, and, like, for Cyclone Fanatic, major sales season. Ew. I mean, from a fan standpoint, it's great. It, oh. But. But my yeah, point, yeah, yeah. The, I, this wasn't a woe is me deal. No. My point is. The consumer is going to have to make a decision too, correct? And I think it'll be really interesting to see like what the Western Conference Finals in an empty gym is drawing against the NFL. Same, and then if you're baseball, 
Well, where you, do you fit in that? Baseball is screwed Great. at this point. Like they've missed their opportunity. Their but, opportunity was what NASCAR has been doing right the last now. month with Wednesday night races. Correct. And watching a prime time race here on a Sunday. Correct. They're having like record TV ratings. Now, when they come back, it'll probably be mid July, late July, and you're going up at the <laughs> NBA playoffs. Good luck. In empty, in empty Stadiums. spring training facilities, basically. Yeah. yeah. Which I think it'll be their does, their home stadiums, but it won't. It'll look. Yeah. Like there's nobody there. Oh, they are going to be in the home stadiums. Yeah. They're not going to do that because no, they, gonna... yeah, they freaked out. But about it's it. just like, and a, a an asterisk season to begin with because it's less than a third of the games. Because they were, they were quibbling over, you know, and I, it's a couple hundred million dollars what it turns out to be. But for them, that's, you know, pretty small potatoes. Disappointing. Can I tell my quick, uh, funny Tony LaRusso stories on the 30 for 30 real quick? Because I'm sure he's going to be brought up in that. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Tony, he would have been year three or four at that point. So it was when I was down at uh, Cardinal Spring Training. I have two good Tony LaRusso stories. Um. Our old boss at KMA Radio, Don Hansen, gave me a tip before I went down there. The that was a year. pretty crazy that, uh, by the way, this is why KMA Radio in Shenandoah is the best. <laughs> they let you <laughs> in Shenandoah go cover spring training. spring training in both. Yeah. Surprise, Arizona and West Palm Beach. Right. Or Jupiter. Right. Yeah. Multiple years. And I'm not quite sure why, but they did. And you uh, went. We, we sold it. Man, uh, good times. I didn't appreciate that when we were down there as much as I should have. So anyways. Tony. Um, kind Don of a curmudgeon, Hansen, right? Don Hansen taught me. How old was I? What, uh, 22? 23? Yeah, 23. 23. Don Hansen tells me, you know, this is great advice for anybody. And I, would, I, I give this advice to interns and stuff all the time. If you act like you belong somewhere, you'll be fine. Yep. Don't walk around very true. on eggshells. Like, you know, People have some confidence. Yep. Puff your chest out, you know, stand tall and, and be a man or be a woman, you know, and, you know, act like you belong there and learn the ropes from the guys and gals who know what they're doing. So I did that, and, and it worked well for me with the Royals. Trey Hillman was awesome. Um, man, I got I had some great – they would have been podcasts back then. With, I had a, Billy Butler, uh, Luke Hoche. Yeah, they were some, young. Yeah. Alex Luke Gordon Hochever, was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Like, I did a whole deal with – Because I was – was I there? I was the I one who was reporting. Yeah, I was. You were, like, editing all these I was things. editing all your stuff back in yeah. Shan, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's I, right. It worked out great with the Royals. Like, they yeah. were awesome. And yep. they liked the fact that a young guy was in the in the locker room, and oh, you know, good memories. Yep. It was it was awesome. I still have a disc with all those interviews. I I would be I would just cringe if I went back and heard Luke Ochaver. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to the Cardinals, and I'm like, okay, this is um, I'm going to do it just like I did the Royals. The Cardinals are vastly different than the Royals. It, it's like. Um, you know, like if you cover Iowa State football in the 2000s, yeah, and then you go to like Alabama, yeah, the a little, difference, a little more. Uh, well, and I don't mean that like Iowa State wasn't big time because it was up. still in the Big 12, but like the, there's no coverage. They're friendly to media because yeah. they want the coverage. Where Alabama doesn't give a crap who you are or what you're doing. So I walk up in my first day there. I asked Tony LaRusso some question about like his struggling bullpen. And I'm, you know, I'm, and yeah. he looks at me stone cold and goes, Who the hell are you? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Chris, Chris Williams, Williams KMA, KMA Radio in Shenandoah. <laughs> Didn't you interview Wainwright after his big contract? Yeah, and Wainwright, yeah, Wainwright gets his deal, and he made that, yeah. he made fun of me because of the way I was holding my microphone <laughs> in the middle of the interview, and then. Um, it's one of those sports moments I'll never forget. Drake had just lost to Western Kentucky when Drake was a five yeah, seed. Yeah, down in Tampa, which mm-hmm. was not near well Jupiter, but... Um, La Russa and Bob Knight are like best friends. That's true. So La Russa wouldn't meet with the media in like his normal place. We had to go to his office. For, like, Tony to, like, allow us in because he's, like, a god, you know. <laughs> so, here, you know, here I am just stumbling in behind these guys because at this point, Tony LaRussa has completely sucked every ounce of confidence I have, have out of me. Right. This is, like, four days in. Yeah, LaRussa La has broken me. <laughs> Which he, he was good at. Yeah. Including the players. And I'm, like, just limping into his office. Yeah. Oh, Tony. LaRussa made us stand there. For like 25 minutes, just watching him watch the Texas Tech NCAA tournament game. Oh, man. And like he's sitting there reacting to every shot. It was the most awkward thing I've ever been a part of. And he knows we're there. Oh, yeah. But he's he's not making any small talk. It's a power thing. Yeah. He's like, hey, losers. You you." will wait for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought it was the most awkward thing I'd ever been a part of. Big power thing right there. That's a big ego thing. I've dealt with that before. <laughs> well, in you the NBA. Will, you will wait for me. <laughs> I can't even. You, oh, my gosh. Some of the NBA stories oh, you have to have. That. Well, I just. Didn't you have a run-in with Patrick Ewing once? I did. No, Pat was great. <laughs> um, oh, he Pat was, was with the He was, he with was the, the assistant coach yeah, at the time. Okay. He was great. Who was the one that you had the run-in with? Oh, uh, multiple. Um, Rondo. I had a run-in with. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was, think, there's a legendary one. Rasheed Wallace was bad. I had a run-in with him. No, but with Dwight. So I covered Dwight on a daily basis, and he was literally the world's largest 10 year old. That's what he was. So he had a game once. He and So this is right to your LaRusa story. How long will the media wait for me to take my shower? Was Dwight's game. Yeah. And so he would, in his post game, he would take two hour long showers just to try and do the rain delay so the media would eventually leave, just to be a jerk. That's really all. Of it. It, was, it was like an ego power. I mean, he was 23 at the time. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like, he was trying. He didn't have, like, kids to get home no, to. No, so or... he was like, I'm going to be in here as long as I can to avoid you guys. And so some of us would wait, and eventually we'd just give up. But you were there when they were good. Yeah, they made the finals. Yeah, I remember. Like... One of the years I was there. But, I mean, he was he was a big 10-year-old. And, again, we got along fine. I mean, he, but he was... Some of the stuff that's come out about him afterwards, I was yeah, like, you're, yeah. You're always like, oh. That's what he was. He was he was very good. Dwight Howard is underappreciated as a player. I mean, he had a good five-year stretch there, but he what was. What happened to him? Is he just break down? I think his the back went. He had the the, the flare-up with uh, Van Gundy, remember, where he yeah. went to the Lakers, and it was, it was a bad deal. And then he just got put in a couple bad spots. And when you're a physical player like he was that loses some of that well, that bounce, you become changed. pretty ordinary. And the, and the league changed. Yeah. And now you're a classic post-up big guy that can't make a jump shot or a free throw. And what are you there for? You're there to rebound and dunk. What year that's did what you guys into. go to the finals? Was it 10? So that it's funny you say that. Um, 11 years ago today uh, is when 
Kobe's Lakers beat the Magic in Game 5 of the Finals. Okay. So 2009. So if I would have told you in 2009 that Dwight's... If I would have asked you, like, what's Dwight's legacy going to yeah. be? What would you have said? Um, I would have thought he would be a top... Top five big guy of all time. Maybe yeah. top 15 player. Me and he... Too. God, he, he was, was good. great from 07 to 12, 13, and then he got hurt, and it just hasn't been the same. Yeah. He was having a nice little resurgence this year, but I still think he's a Hall of Famer just because he was the best big guy for a good five-year stretch there. But but who could have who could have known at that time that the league would change so much? Well, and what's and interesting, like, he'd yeah. never be a top pick now. Ne- no, I mean just a physical freak, but couldn't, couldn't shoot, still can't shoot. And it's interesting that our magic team really revolutionized the big guy shooting threes phenomenon. So they had uh Hito Turkoglu yep. and Richard Lewis. And so what they did, it was really smart at the time. They would, they had Dwight in the middle who would just disrupt everything. And they had four shooters around him. And that's somewhat of what basketball merged into, but now it's really five shooters on the floor at all times. So yeah. yeah, it was fun. I mean, it's fun to think about. I mean, they got, they got uh, owned by Kobe, and I saw Kobe put up 40-plus in Staples Center in Game 1 that year. That's awesome, but, though. What a great memory yeah, I mean, it's, what a, to be able and, to tell your boys. And, uh, yeah, but just think you know, about that stuff. the year 2020. Kobe happened in January, right? Like, It's been what a year. What a year. I mean, you could really – you could like documentaries have been such a big thing this year. You could do like a 10-part on 20 like, – th- but think of – like I'm beyond sports – with the Black Lives Matter movement. And then, like, I think that we're going to have a really fascinating part, back to the COVID thing. Like, how much are these protests, like, spreading the virus? Right. Because now, like, the the virus is taking a backseat to the racial injustice story. And, I, you know, p- probably rightfully so, considering it carried on again in Atlanta this yep. week. Yep. But is it rightfully so in the sense that like people are hundreds of people are dying every day from this virus and like it's it's fascinating. Like, and then the but, back- but then I would say like, you know, black people have been suppressed for four hundred years, so like they're you know but like how much is that impacting the virus? Kobe dies, we don't have any of these sports, get the baseball <laughs> blunder that could impact MLB forever. Yeah. There's so much There's a lot. And then the backdrop, of course, is the uh 2020 election. Oh, yeah, I forgot. So, yeah, that happens. But, man, I, I honestly, I appreciate everybody listening. I really do. Because this has been therapeutic in a way, just to totally. get some thoughts out um, about what's happening. So, I, I, I mean, agree. And it's great that people listen because it's honestly, we wouldn't be here without you guys. But it's been great for, I mean, I remember the first week we've done this, it was kind of taboo to like, be around another person that yeah, wasn't we your were a little family. Nervous. It's like, what do we do? Like, is this is this frowned upon? And now, it's yeah, but it's just been it's just been nice to kind of document some of our thoughts along the way. I um, I got the nicest email, and I'm not going to say his name yet because I want to check. I haven't got a chance to write the gentleman back, um, but I'd like to read it next week. A uh, guy who is a democratic socialist. Okay. Um, and he listens to the show every week. He's one of our Patreon members. And he wrote me the nicest email about how, which makes sense because I'm, I'm 
I, I believe I'm very moderate. I'm sure other people have different opinions, but I've heard from a few that think you're not. Yeah, whatever. Well, it's funny though, because in the age of Trump, like <laughs> it's like, what do you have to do to be a, a conservatism is not what it used to be, right? Like the GOP has gone so far right that like being a moderate now, like portions well, of it. Yeah. Well, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I like got you. The, I got you. The, no, I, yeah. We, yeah. And, w- and when when none of the none of Congress will stand up to the man, that it just becomes very, that's what you represent to me. Um, prove me wrong. But this guy, <laughs> he says in this email, he's like, oh, my God, Williams, I listen to you every day. And I just, I want to scream at my microphone half the time. But, but damn it, I... I followed you for 10 years and I know you have great values and I know where you come from. And I appreciate that. It's just like, why can't more of us be like yeah. that? Like this guy, I mean, I ain't no socialist. I can promise you that you can think, I, mean, I, I am farther left. Trump has moved me farther left. I think for a lot of reasons. Uh, did you listen to my podcast with my pastor? By I the haven't way? yet. Sorry. So, uh, I would encourage anybody to do that. Um, my, the Chris Williams podcast, you can search for it. I inter- I did a podcast with my pastor this last week and it was one of the more enlightening pieces I've ever done. So you I guys saw should got go some pretty that. good reviews on the, yeah, it's been, I website. thought it was awesome. But anyways, okay. Brent, we had a listener who sent that and I don't want to just read his email without asking no, for good. permission. Yeah. But it was really cool. I mean, you talked about thanking people. Or was I, we love feedback like that, and we hope that. And that that was this guy's point, Brent, is that he's just like, I don't always agree with you guys, but at the at the end of the day, I know where you're coming from, and like I can respect that, and that's what it's all about. Even if we don't agree with you on everything, like let's just be like legit humans. And not- I wish they, I mean, with you, more more for that, one Absolutely. way or another. All right, I want to I want to end this thing because I want to watch the end of this NASCAR race. It's getting getting heated up. Sixty to go. Chase Elliott's in second, baby. He's having a nice little uh, run here from my uneducated NASCAR fandom here. He he's on fire right now. He's just he just doesn't win a lot. We got to get to victory lane a few more times. He's a good top five driver. Anyways, we will uh, be back next week. Uh, it'll be on Father's Day. We'll be recording. Oh my gosh! I mean, Double trouble for this both is, of us. This is the. I mean, I mentioned the McGuire thing. McGuire on June fourteenth in nineteen ninety eight had twenty eight home runs. I mean, think about how much baseball season we've we've missed from that standpoint. Figure it out. No people. doubt, bro. Figure it out. All right. Um, thanks, guys. Have a great yeah. week. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you guys. Uh, take care.